Hey everybody, welcome back to my podcast. I'm Jesse Neeland and this is not about your body. Um, so I'm really excited to announce that today doors are open for my um, program on the four body image avatars. It's called the Avatars Project. It is an eight week program and you can sign up using the link in my bio on Instagram at Jesse Neeland and you can also find the uh, web page for it with all the details on my website at jessineeland.com. So if you're interested in the four body image avatars or using that system to move your own, uh, to learn more about it and then move your own body image towards body neutrality, this is the program for you. I'm really excited about it. Um, we start in February and uh, yeah, it's a group program and it's going to be awesome. So in honor of that, I wanted to talk a little bit today about one of the avatars, the high achiever specifically, and go into a little bit of detail about their relationship with um, the good bad binary. So first of all, if you don't know about the four image, uh, four body image avatars, you can find some free material on YouTube. If you type in Jesse Neal and the four body image avatars, you'll see a great video come up and it explains everything. The high achiever is the avatar who is most invested in the sort of plan of using their body to prove their moral excellence. So we've talked a little bit before, the self-objectifier is one whose plan is to earn the um, secure partnership, love, uh, intimacy, and sex that they desire by looking good enough, by looking attractive enough. The outsider is looking to earn the connection and belonging that they crave by looking a certain way and sort of fitting in. Um, the runner is looking to feel safe and protected using their body and the high achiever is looking uh, they are invested in proving usually their moral excellence and basically earning what they want in the world by being at the top of the social hierarchies and these social hierarchies can mean a lot of things because you know there are hierarchies around race and gender and gender expression and age and physical ability and neurology. I mean, there's all kinds of hierarchies that a person might try to sort of climb their way to the top of, but weight, body size is certainly one. And um, appearance in terms of like beauty ideals is another. So those are, those are two that we know people are really obsessed with changing because the other ones, you know, you can't change your age, although you can certainly get pretty obsessed with anti-aging products. Um, you know, your age is going to be what it is. Your race is going to be what it is. Although we know some some of these areas, people will try to change the appearance of them. It is mostly the, the weight and the closeness to conventional beauty ideals that are where people are scrambling to make changes to reach the top of the social hierarchies. And the high achiever is most invested in looking disciplined and looking um, like they are in control, like they are hard workers, like they are good. Because again, moral excellence just means good, right? It means I am proving to you how good I am by exercising the way I'm supposed to exercise and eating the way I'm supposed to eat and looking like a person who has their shit together, which is <laughs> so often what the high achiever will say to me that their body image goals or whatever, like how they want to look, 
is like a person with their shit together, which is really specific in some ways because it's that phrasing I hear over and over, but it's really vague in others because what on earth does that mean? Anyway, there is the obsession among a lot of my high achievers with these social hierarchies and trying to look like you're at the top of them, trying to earn privilege, basically, increase social status any way possible. And there is the fantasy for the high achiever that by earning privilege, you will get what you want. Most often what they want is a feeling, which isn't actually going to be available to them via social status, because having more privilege just doesn't make you feel the way that you probably want to feel, which is usually like worthy and, you know, good enough, confident in yourself, um, and like you are good enough. It's just not a thing you can get by having more privilege. Privilege offers a lot of things, but it doesn't actually make you like yourself. It doesn't make you feel good enough, you know? So what the high achievers are, are often seeking is external approval to sort of prove to themselves that they are good enough because it's not coming from inside. High achievers are not getting that validation from inside, so they are seeking it from outside. They're like, you know what? If everybody thinks I'm good, maybe then I'll feel good. And that's the plan, basically, which is why body image stuff gets really mixed up in it. It's like people celebrate and praise you when you lose weight or you're super lean or, you know, whatever it is you like demonstrate that you have a lot of self-control around your diet or you are really disciplined in your exercise routine. These are areas that people will celebrate and praise and be like, oh, you're so good, you know. You're like, oh, I skipped dessert and someone told me I was good. Yes, this feels good. I like that external validation because it's the only kind of validation I'm getting because I'm not giving it to myself. So I'll skip dessert again tomorrow. You know, it's a self-reinforcing thing. But the high achiever is invested in getting that validation and feeling of moral superiority or excellence or just validation from other people, which is super wrapped up with diet culture and the anti-fat bias. Because in our culture, fat people are associated with moral corruption. They're associated with being bad and lazy and undisciplined, right? And unhealthy and, you know, any other number of sins, uh, sloth and gluttony and whatever, right? Like it's morally coded that a fat person is bad. Whereas a thin person, despite the fact that we know they, there are plenty of people who are just genetically thin and absolutely don't, engage or employ any amount of discipline to look that way it's coded that then people are good they're healthier they're more deserving of good things and happiness and joy and satisfying sex and whatever we just have that association of moral goodness hard work discipline and excellence whereas there are plenty of people in fat bodies who work really hard who demonstrate all of the moral superiority habits of discipline and self-control and um, and all of that stuff and also still have this body, right? So we know that this is garbage, but it is the association. So a person who is trying to get that external validation, like a high achiever is, is going to have to, um, really push themselves to follow the rules of moral excellence when it comes to food and, and exercise and body. So it's incredibly frustrating for a lot of my high achievers when they do all of this and they don't look how they think they should look because then they don't get the validation they think they should get or that they crave. And then they feel bad about themselves because they're like, oh, maybe I'm not working hard enough, even though you know they're already doing so much because their body didn't cooperate with their plan to look like a person who had tons of self-control and discipline. 
Now, granted, that doesn't mean anything either. You know, a person can't look like they have self-control and discipline. That's not a thing. It's not a look, you know. But that is the assumption, and that is the, the fantasy. The high achiever is trying to make other people think they are good in the hopes that they will then think they are good. Because that's really what the high achiever needs. A lot of times, the end goal for the high achiever is not to earn social status and impress people, although that's usually what they'll be focused on. The end goal for what they really need, for what would really make them feel how they want to feel, is their own acceptance and validation. A lot of times that's what it comes down to, but they will never tell me that. Like when I meet with a new person who falls into this category, they'll tell me that they just really, really want people to admire them or be impressed with them or think they have their shit together or look up to them. You know, this is the language they use. It's about moral excellence and superiority. And sometimes I'll work with a high achiever who has given up diet culture and has gained some weight in the intuitive eating process as they've sort of moved away from a strict, rigid, um, disciplined uh, regimen of food and exercise. And they'll tell me the hardest part of it, the most devastating part of that shift is losing the moral excellence. The, the feeling that everybody's impressed with them, the feeling that they're special. Because we really do treat people who have a very particular body type in our culture as special. We're like, oh, you know, you look so lean, like toned and, and strong and super low body fat percentage. You are so good and special. And for a lot of these high achievers, that's what they're sort of known for in their social circles, in their families, in their friend groups. Like, They'll tell me I'm, I'm the fit one, you know, or I'm the, the good one, I'm the healthy one. And now I'm not those things and I don't know who I am and I don't know what gives me value or what makes me worthy and I'm not getting all that validation on a daily basis because now I just look like a regular person instead of a special person with special discipline or whatever. And now what? It's devastating, it's honestly truly heartbreaking for these people because their identity is wrapped up in being morally superior to the people in their social group, usually, insofar as they are demonstrating um, stricter control over their bodies, over their food and their exercise. So, all of this is to say that good and bad are not a binary. And the only reason we think it is, is because that is a great way to exploit people. You know, we've got like all the way back to Adam and Eve, we've got a moral binary set up for us of like there is good and there is evil. And maybe there is value in that binary at times. You know, children's stories, there's like a good guy and a bad guy. And maybe that's, maybe that's valuable in some ways. But more often than not, there's a, a whole bunch of nuance and gray area and there isn't really a moral binary. And there certainly isn't one when it comes to things like food. There is not good food and bad food. There is nutrient-dense food and less nutrient-dense food. But even if we were to try to say healthy and unhealthy, that would not apply because, you know, e eating a Pop-Tart is healthier than starving, you know? So, like, we can't call a Pop-Tart unhealthy. We just can't. There is no moral assigned value to food. So... With that in mind, I want to point out that if you resonate with the high achiever, you are probably really likely to get drawn into moral binaries of, of judgment, which means you judge yourself super harshly because you're either good or you're bad. You're not allowed to be in between. You're either special and superior and perfect or you are nothing. You are failing and you are garbage. 
And that is a binary that sucks for our self-image. You know, it really, really takes away from our ability to be whole, complex, ever-evolving humans. And it, it flattens us down into one dimension and one judgment that basically is like a pass-fail. And that pass-fail, more often than not, means fail. Or if you're passing, it's like you're passing because, you know, you're, you're giving up everything else you would ever want in life in order to get to a place where people are impressed with you because your body fat is low. I mean, that's not, in my opinion, not a great way to live. So even if you're able to pass, that pass comes at a massive cost. And this binary is entirely made up, but it is also used to oppress people because when people believe in good and bad, they are a lot more likely to carry guilt and shame. And people who carry guilt and shame, as we know from like every religion that uses these tactics to control people, they're more likely to, to stay quiet to do what they're told and to really never never reach for much, you know, to stay stay down basically. Because people who really loved and accepted themselves and knew they were worthy of good things would not tolerate being oppressed, right? But like people who feel guilty and ashamed for being bad, those are people who are going to tolerate being oppressed a lot more likely. So this is a tool of oppression. Making you see yourself on a moral binary is a tool to oppress you. But it's actually a really clever one because it's a tool to make you oppress yourself. If you teach somebody that they're good or bad, and, and every choice they make is either good or bad. Oh, and also in a lot of religions, like a deity is watching and judging your choices as good or bad. Or even Santa Claus is watching and judging your choices as good and bad. Like, you're gonna police yourself. And you're going to feel guilt and shame every time you make a decision that you learned in this pass-fail binary makes you bad. And you're going to identify with that no matter how many choices you make that are good. Because in this binary, you don't get to be complex and in the middle. You just get to be perfect or you get to be a failure. So with my high achievers, if this is you, I invite you to explore what it means for you to want to be good and what it means to be bad, and where these moral binary judgments and criticisms came from, and also how they impact you. And I think the question of how they served you is important too, because I've certainly worked with many people who are like, well, I mean, I'm a high achiever, which is exactly why I'm successful at my job. Or I'm a high achiever, which is how I became a doctor. You know, I worked my butt off because I was terrified and ashamed of failing in med school. So there are ways in which being a high achiever and being someone who is able to stay motivated to be at the top will serve you. And I'm not saying we need to get rid of any of that. But I am saying when we examine this pattern in ourselves, we also have to look at what it costs us. And so that's the next question. How has it served you and how is it, what has it cost you? Because most likely, if you are struggling with body image issues and you resonate with the high achiever, it is costing you the ability to be present and joyful and reach for what you really want in life and know who you really are because all of your attention and energy and time has gone towards cultivating um, an ability to be higher up on the social hierarchies and have that status and make yourself look a certain way to others so that you can hopefully get the validation you crave so that you can hopefully feel how you want. It's a really 
really meandering kind of indirect plan to feel how you want. And there are other ways of going about it, I promise you. You can give yourself what you are looking for. You can have that feeling without the external validation. Or I should say, in ways that can um, support and complement the external validation, it's not to say that all external validation is useless. So that's really all I wanted to say about that today. If you have questions about the high achiever or any of the body image avatars, I will be talking about it um, over the next couple of episodes because the avatars project, this eight week um, program that I'm running will be open for enrollment during that time. And I just want to share a little bit more about it. And if it resonates with you and you want to learn more, come on over and join the program. Um, otherwise, you know where to find me on Instagram and my website. And thank you for listening. I hope this was useful and I will catch you on the next episode.